Greetings, everybody. Happy Navaratri. This is the final night of the Nine Nights of the Goddess. Um, and I wish you guys could be here in India. All the bells are ringing and all the women are in beautiful uh, red saris and festive wear. And um, the mood is just so lovely. And it's just such a great time to deliver this week's Moon Muse. So welcome to the Monday Moon Muse. Today, the moon is transiting the star Danishta. Danishta, which means the wealthy and the famous. Now, Danishta is symbolized by a particular kind of handheld drum. Speaking of celebrations, you know, the sound of bells, the sound of drums, they always kind of herald that... Um, experience of something is about to happen something good is is on the horizon so a damaru is a particular kind of drum that's played by the vedic god shiva on his creation on his dance of creation he plays this drum it can also be a dance of destruction but as he plays this drum it's like a meeting of heaven and earth. A damaru, it, it, it consists of two kind of triangular shape parts, uh, which meet at an apex, kind of like a downward-facing triangle meeting an upward-facing triangle. And in the center of the drum, there's a string that's tied with a bead. So Shiva plays the drum by like a rattle, shaking it back and forth. And this is symbolic of the kind of energy that we experience with the moon in Danishta, the meeting of heaven and earth. And what is the sign of the meeting of heaven and earth? Wealth and fame. So therefore, the Vedic seers gave this star constellation the, the name Danishta, wealthy and famous. But we have to really understand what's meant by wealth and what's meant by fame. Because this is different for everybody. This is a unique or, or highly personal kind of evaluation. What equals wealth? And I think the simplest definition of, of the sign that you're in alignment with your higher calling, that's like your own personal meeting of heaven and earth. The sign is wealth. Now, it can be an abundance of money, but how much money? What brings you satisfaction? What brings you contentment? That is your wealth. Um, and that's different for everybody. I mean, I live in a, a small village in a pilgrimage town in India, and it's amazing that that somebody can feel so wealthy, but maybe doesn't have as much money or resources that another person might have who who would be considered by the world standards wealthy. Like, for example, our neighbor... Uh, who used to cook for us at Dunagiri Retreat, uh, he got offended one time when I referred to him as poor, and I felt very bad because he doesn't identify himself as poor. 
he feels rich because he has a natural spring of incredible glacial water coming up out of his land. He, he has access to that. That's wealth. How many of us have that? Or he has access to an orchard of fruit trees and a huge field and fresh milk and all kinds of signs that he is content and that may be rare or wealthy for some of us who are living in a more developed part of the world, quote-unquote, developed. And then what's meant by fame? I mean, there's all kinds of ways to become famous, and not all of them are good. We don't want to become infamous. So what what is the sign of being in alignment with your higher calling that that meeting of heaven and earth which which incidentally in the human body is located right in the center of the chest. So if we imagined our body as the damaru the upward facing triangle and the downward facing triangle would meet at the apex of the heart. So the sign of being in alignment with your heart is fame and wealth. So what what is the sign of being famous? I mean, not just like for being in the movies or, you know, winning a Grammy or whatever. It's, it's being known for something good. How are you known in your circle of friends? What are you famous for? Are you famous as a source of hope, a source of inspiration, a source of, of, of uh, compassionate advice, or whatever good qualities that you possess? That's, that's the sign when, when the people around you know you for that, then you are in alignment with your heart's calling, that place of origin, that that. Um, generates the worlds, the meeting of heaven and earth. So this is Danishta. This is a very beautiful way to end the nine nights of the goddess with this star constellation, the moon uh, in the ninth um, uh, transit, the, the ninth phase of the waxing cycle, and the number nine signifying completion, uh, highest state of transcendental awareness ninth is uh, our our attainment that comes from this kind of cleanse that takes place on the cosmic level and also on the human level every year during the fall and in the spring these nine nights of the goddess so this is this is a beautiful way, like I said, for the week to begin and Navaratri to uh, give way to what's up for the week ahead. So on the 29th um, of October, we will have the last of our annual lunar eclipses. And this eclipse is going to take place in the sign of Aries with Jupiter and, um, of course, the planet Rahu, which the next day is going to be moving out of the sign of Aries. 
So this is actually a very interesting eclipse for a number of reasons. And I'll explain the astrology first and then I'll give you my take on it all. But one of the most interesting parts of this eclipse is, is what causes a lunar eclipse is the sun and the moon exactly opposite one another, which um, indicates a full moon. When the sun and moon are in the same sign, that's a new moon. When they're opposite one another, that's a full moon. So 29th of October is the full moon, and um, the sun is sitting in the sign of Libra, which is opposite Aries, where the moon is. Libra is ruled by the planet Venus, and Venus is placed in the sign, or is currently transiting the sign of Leo, ruled by the sun. So this is a little bit... Uh, of of a, a rub your tummy and pat your head kind of moment to keep track of. But what happens in, in the most simplistic way is that Sun and Venus exchange positions. So now Venus and the Moon are opposite one another and not the Sun. This is a very interesting sort of twist on the eclipse. It can, it can influence the way the eclipse um, can influence us. Like what should have happened gets averted. And I like to think of Venus as an emissary of peace. And the sun sitting here in the sign of Libra um, together with Mars and Ketu is a little bit of... Um, let's just say, a conflictual energy, which we see in the world. Um, we're, we're on the brink of a, of a very great world conflict. Um, and uh, that's very troubling to all of us. And yet, on this eclipse day, we have this lucky exchange. So what it could mean is the danger gets averted. Venus going into this position can kind of stand as an intermediary to what may be um, a, a kind of, <laughs> I don't know if you can hear that sound, a display of, of um, compassionless, compassionate-less um, or uncompassionate types of activities in the world. So this is the hope of the lunar eclipse. The lunar eclipse also asks us to stand before our feelings, to stand before that, that ownership of feelings. This is the beautiful thing about eclipses, is usually, you know, when we're under the influence of the luminaries, the moon and the sun, we, um, we're, we're in a state of separation. But when we have this eclipse energy, we can stand before it. I remember one time when I was with my first guru as a young woman in my 20s, and I think somebody had stolen my, or moved, they didn't steal it, I thought they had stolen it, moved my meditation cushion away from where I had placed it. And I got so upset and I started crying and then I went to my teacher and it was like, how can people be so so idiotic? And 
And and he gave me the best response that I think really applies to lunar eclipses in general, but especially for this one happening on the 29th. And that is, he said, go ahead and cry, Katie. I cry all the time, but I stand before it. So my feeling about the week ahead is that it may be very emotional. It's there's a lot of shifts happening in the world. We're we're dealing with a with a lunar eclipse, a lucky exchange. Um, also, the nodes of the moon Rahu and Ketu are moving backward. They're going to be exiting the sign of Aries and Virgo where they've been for the last 18 months. And now they're going to make their way into Pisces and and Virgo respectively. Sorry, I said Ketu is in Virgo, but Ketu's moving from Libra into Virgo. Rahu's moving from Aries into Pisces. And, and as this happens, as Rahu in particular is moving into Pisces, he's going backward through what's called the Gandanta or the knot's end, the karmic knot. So there's a lot of karmic knots that are are coming up that need to be untied. And that can be untied with that sense of, I stand before it, awareness. I am awareness. So it's a beautiful time, as always, during eclipses to meditate, to observe them in a way that isn't starting anything new or making any kind of big decisions, but um, sitting still and being in a state of, of compassionate observation this is the best way to ride out eclipses. So this is uh, a few of my thoughts about the week ahead and the current transits and all that's happening in the sky above. I also wanted to let you know that next week I'm going to be um, within internet range and I have a few openings for live in-person readings so and and just a few i think maybe three or four so if you'd like to um, claim one of those for yourself uh, make sure that you um, check your email because i've sent out the link to sign up for them okay wishing you all a happy week ahead happy navaratri and jema